0: You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. I've talked about this time and time again just how important, if we're talking about transforming our bodies, if we're talking about achieving a greater level of success, we have to identify the organ. That's responsible for controlling all of this amazing stuff that we're doing, whether it's focusing our attention, whether it's burning fat. The master organ responsible is your brain. Your brain is amazing. It's amazing what our brains can do. You know, just for example, in this context, you got the hypothalamus, kind of consider this master gland. It's controlling your ability to uh, store and or burn calories is controlling your body temperature, It's controlling sleep cycles to a large degree. You know, it's kind of passing off duties to other organs along that HPA axis, your hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, your thyroid's along there as well, but it's it's residing in your brain. It's like the master control center. And we're facing a crisis today. We're seeing this radical incidents. We're seeing, I'm talking tens of millions of people every single year, uh, being stricken with these neurodegenerative diseases. And we have never seen such a rampant shift in our culture before. You know, it's just been the last few decades. And we've got to make a stop. We've got to do something about it. Our guest today is somebody who's really stepping into that role, but also he's speaking to younger generation about this because we tend to think about brain problems, you know, dementia, Alzheimer's, as something that's restricted for when we get older. But guess what? We're seeing problems now, younger and younger and younger. When you get this information, you start making these changes at a younger age, you can literally prevent any of those things being in your future. And that's what this is all about. All right. So before we do that, listen, one of the most potent foods for ourselves, and this is there's more and more research coming out that about this is MCTs. All right, medium-chain triglycerides. There's different types of fats, right? But these MCTs, specifically MCT oil, is an incredibly valuable. Uh, source of fuel. All right. So one of the great things about it is that it doesn't have the, the normal processing of, uh, you know, if you're trying to eat like, you know, salmon, which is a great source of particular types of fats, your body has to do jobs exchanging that currency into the currency of the body. Like it's like fish currency into human cell currency. All right. Whereas MCTs can essentially go directly to your cells to supply energy. Right. It's one of those things that helps your body also to support the process of ketosis, which we're going to talk about today as well, which is a more cleaner burning fuel for your body versus glucose, which, you know, glucose, all right, all right. But if we want the premium, right, the glucose is just going to have, it's more just combustible, like uh, it's going to have more residue. Let me put it like that. All right. So this supports your body and staying in this kind of fat burning state versus being a sugar burner, if that makes sense. And I love MCT oil. I've been using it for so many years now, probably about five years. And now I use emulsified MCT oils. They're like coffee creamers. I look forward to it every day. And uh, where I get them is from onit.com forward slash model. All right, so it's onnit.com forward slash model. You get 10% off the incredible MCT oil selection. My favorite is the vanilla and the cinnamon swirl. All right, I love those with my cocoa. With my coffee. I love it. They've got strawberry. I like to do with like some almond milk and like some lion's mane tea. Then they've got the savory ones they just came out with. So you can mix those with salads, but just get this stuff in your body. All right. These MCTs are really, really powerful and so many great things coming out in the research about them. So, but don't be the last person to know about it. All right. Head over, check them out on it.com forward slash model for 10% off. Now let's get to the iTunes review of the week.
1: Another five-star review titled Amazing by Bellamia1982. Ever since I started my new job in a company that is 50 minutes away from home, I decided that I wanted to do something productive while in the car. So I downloaded a podcast app and started searching for health topics. Your show came up immediately and with no doubt I began to listen and I was immediately hooked. Your show is really eye-opening, interesting, and inspirational. I am totally addicted and I won't stop listening.
0: Awesome. You found me. I feel like, I feel like Dory. All right. With a better memory though. All right. You found me. I'm so grateful for that. And uh, thank you for taking the time to leave me that review. I appreciate it immensely. And everybody, thank you for heading over to iTunes and leaving these reviews. If you've yet to do so, I mean, are you forgetting? We need to work. Come on, let's go. You can pause the podcast, leave the review and come back. I truly, truly appreciate it. Please keep them coming. It, it means so much to me. Seriously, guys, thank you so much. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and our topic of the day. Our guest today is Max Lugavere, and he is a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Genius Foods, Become Smarter, Happier, and More Productive While Protecting Your Brain for Life. Lugavir has contributed to Medscape, Vice, Fast Company, CNN, and the Daily Beast and has been featured on NBC Nightly News, The Dr. Oz Show, The Rachel Ray Show, The Doctors, and in The Wall Street Journal. He's a sought-after speaker and has given talks at South by Southwest, TEDx, and the New York Academy of Sciences, the Biohacker Summit in Stockholm, Sweden, and many others. And now he's here to drop some science on The Model Health Show. I'd like to welcome to the show, my man, Max Lugavere. How's it going today, man? Dude,
1: it's going so well. It's such an honor to be here. I'm such a fan of the show. So, I mean, this is incredible.
0: Oh man, that means so much, man. And I'm a big fan of your book. Like I've got this marked up. I could have, I've said this before about a couple other books. I could have dipped this in the highlight and fluid. All right, it's so much good stuff in here. And you've got a great like ability to, to, to consolidate a lot of data. Some of the things we've talked about on the show, of course, in a way that is precise, Backed by research, but also very digestible for folks. But before we get to that, I think this might have a root in your history of journalism. So let's talk about your your superhero origin story and how you got from this kind of pretty successful career as a journalist into one of the top health advocators in the world.
1: Yeah, awesome. I mean, I um, you know, my background, as you mentioned, I used to work for a TV network in the United States called Current TV. And uh, I, that was my first job out of college. It was a very, uh, you know, privileged um, position to be in. I was in my early 20s and I got to really cover a broad range of topics, topics that I felt like were uh, important and being undertold told in uh, traditional media. And this was sort of before YouTube really became as huge as it ultimately became. Um, so I took this position to be a, uh, you know, I took I took it with great responsibility and responsibility. Um, you know, covered topics that were of interest to me, ranging from music to politics, to spirituality even, to to, to health um, and, uh, and nutrition. And there I was a bit of a, a generalist. I, I liken myself to having been uh, sort of like a stem cell, undifferentiated at the time. And um, I did that for six years, getting to work with the best of the best storytellers and journalists in the field. And I left in about 2010 to try to figure out where I was going to go with my career, having, you know, basically gotten my, uh, uh, you know, milked that experience for all that it was worth, I felt. And I started spending more time in New York City, which is where I'm from, around my mother. And uh, me and my younger brothers started to notice that it had seemed as though suddenly when talking to my mom, who was 58 at the time, blonde and spirited, that we were suddenly talking to a much older person. It had seemed as if her brain's processing speed had downshifted. Um, and, uh, you know, as somebody with no prior family history of any kind of neurodegenerative disease and certainly not able to, t- to chalk up what I was seeing to aging um, because my mom wasn't exactly the picture of a person succumbing to the ravages of time, I became uh, really interested in learning what was going on with her. And so that led to me spending more and more time in doctor's visits with my mom, culminating ultimately... Uh, in a trip to the Cleveland Clinic, where it was there for the first time that my mom was diagnosed with a neurodegenerative disease, and she was prescribed drugs for both Alzheimer's disease and Parkinson's disease, and um, you know it was later on that night in the Holiday Inn hotel room where we were staying close to the close to the hospital, where I actually started googling these drugs for the first time, and. Uh, you know, back then, seven years ago, I didn't really know anything about Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's disease. I, I kind of thought that they were old people's diseases, you know, something that was completely uh, irrelevant to my world as a, as a person in their 20s. And when I started reading um, about these drugs, terms started popping out at me, you know, that they have no disease-modifying treatment, that nobody has ever recovered from Alzheimer's disease. Mm. And I essentially had a panic attack. Um, and it was one of the darkest moments of my life. I ceased being able to think about my career, um, at this really pivotal point in my, in my job trajectory. And I just wanted to learn everything that I possibly could about how diet and lifestyle affect brain function and ultimately brain health and one's predilection for disease. And just circling back to journalism, you know, I, I really do think that journalists and scientists have a lot in common as a journalist, you're trained to, um, ask questions, to know how to find credible sources, uh, to be a skeptic. These are all the same things that make a great scientist. Mm -hmm. And so even though I wasn't trained academically, it really gave me a powerful skill set to try to figure out what was going on with my mom. And that really, back in 2011, kicked off a journey that continues to this day and probably will continue until the day that I die, you know? Yeah,
0: man, that's incredible and just a powerful catalyst. You know, and thank you for for sharing that story. You know, I I saw, you know, some of that story in the book and to hear you speak it out, I know that that was an incredibly tough situation, but you turned it into something really positive, you know, and I can definitely mirror that experience of like, I'm getting this feedback from uh, conventional medicine that they're saying that there's literally nothing you could do. And then being like, well, if you're telling me there's nothing that I can do, you have to decide whether or not you're going to believe that or you're going to do something about it. And taking that, and also, like, I became obsessed with finding out everything I could about health, you know, because there's a lot of talk about disease and how disease is created. They're awesome about that, you know, some of our good friends, but understanding health and and how to create health in the human body, it's a whole other topic. And so one of the things I would love for you to kick off, actually, you kicked off your book with this and talk about, like, is there actually whether or not, you know, is there actually a way that dementia can actually be prevented and or even improved? And you kicked it off with the FINGER study. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So the FINGER study is the world's first ever large population, about 1,200 people enrolled in that study, and it's ongoing long-term randomized control trial. Uh, which really provides the best evidence to date that cognitive decline needn't be an inevitable aspect of aging. And in my book, you know, I'm not just uh, reporting on research that I've read. I actually um, have been to both the Karolinska Institute in Stockholm, Sweden, where the study is uh, run out of, as well as where the intervention is being uh, run in Helsinki, Finland. So I've been there. I've interviewed patients that are enrolled in the study. I've interviewed the lead researcher and... um, What's so fascinating about this study is that it shows that even in old age, if you have at least one risk factor for the disease, by adhering to a full battery of dietary and lifestyle interventions so cleaning up your diet, exercising more, engaging socially with other people, you can significantly improve the way that your brain works. Again, even in old age. So, I mean, this population in the intervention group compared to the control group there was an 83% improvement in executive function, which is one of the most
0: important. Mm, crazy.
1: Yeah. It's one of the most important aspects of our cognitive processes, probably more important to a person's overall success than IQ. And then there was a 150% increase in processing speed, which is one of the earliest domains to be affected by um by aging. You know, when I first started to notice these symptoms in my mom, it was very clear that processing speed uh, was affected. And it was affected dramatically in my mother. But everybody, typically, to some degree, has a decrease in processing speed as they age. And what's very interesting is that when you're young and you take these steps, you can significantly improve your processing speed, which is, again, so critically important. I mean, I highlight, uh, just to make the leap to another study that I talk about in the book, Um, from University of Georgia, they found that when uh, giving young college students who are already thought to be at the peak of their cognitive prowess, certain nutrients, lutein and zeaxanthin, which are two carotenoids, they were able to achieve a 20% increase in their visual processing speed. So our brains are so plastic. We know this. You've talked about this on the show many times, but rather than kind of keeping it keeping this notion you know, of neuroplasticity within the realm of abstraction. I think it's like so important that people realize how this can actually improve their quality of life and their efficacy as people in the here and now.
0: Yeah, man, that's so powerful, man. And that insight just with those two compounds, uh, zeaxanthin in particular, let's just go ahead. I wasn't gonna get to this yet, but let's dive in because this is called genius foods, right? So where, what are some of the foods, or specifically, you, you highlight one that is particularly great with with uh, lutein and, and zeaxanthin. So let's talk about some of these genius foods.
1: Yeah, so I mean, just to, you know, take a step back, I think there are a ton of, first of all, there's there are many brain books coming out, and there's a, certainly a lot of nutrition books. Um, and so my goal was really not to write another book that... Uh, basically just told you what not to eat over and over and over again. I think for savvy people today, like especially your audience, but, you know, people in general, like information is out there. So I think people know that sugar for the most part is not good for us. I wanted to really pave a roadmap towards uh, better health health by highlighting the foods that you really should be eating. Like eat these foods. Research shows that people who have more uh, dietary diversity today actually eat more junk foods. The healthiest people, according to a University of Texas study, basically buy the same, a narrower range of healthy foods on loop. Mm, so, it, so what I call the genius foods are basically the foods, and I've assessed all relevant, uh, you know, literature as it pertains to nutrition and neurology and even psychiatry. These are the foods that have a strong body of evidence to say that they boost the way that your that your brain works, and also help it fend off uh, diseases of aging. So. You know, one of the foods um, that I talk about a lot, uh, it's actually a category, they're dark leafy greens. So, you know, one of the, I think, um, top tips that I make in the book is that people should eat a large salad, a large fatty salad every single day. These dark leafy greens are really important. A Rush University study found that people who do this, who eat a large fatty salad or a large uh, salad of dark leafy greens every day, have brains that look about 11 years younger on scans. They have a a powerful role in terms of keeping your brain youthful and healthy. And there's a number of mechanisms which might explain this. So for one, they're packed with these two carotenoids, lutein and zeaxanthin, right? These carotenoids are really uh, important in terms of protecting our eyes. We know this, um, that they help our eyes better fend off from damaging blue light. So this is very important just in terms of your eye health. But there's a strong correlation between the, the accumulation of these carotenoids in your eyes And in your brain. And in your brain, it's been shown that these carotenoids can help your brain fend off um, oxidative stress, which is a key driver of, you know, these diseases that we're talking about, but also can exacerbate symptoms in other conditions like autism. Um, They can boost processing speed by, again, up to 20% as shown. Um, And they're very important. Also, dark leafy greens contain an abundance of prebiotic fiber, which... You know, the microbes that live in your large intestine love to eat. They're having a party every time you eat that, that huge fatty salad. And I say fatty because these carotenoids, which are so important, are only absorbed in your digestive tract when in the presence of fat. They're fat-soluble uh, nutrients. There are other fat-soluble nutrients, vitamins A, E, D, and K. They're all fat-soluble, meaning you're, you're not absorbing them unless you consume them with fat. And their fat-soluble nutrients are particularly relevant to brain health because your brain is made of fat. Right. So it's about getting all these fat-soluble antioxidants, um, and they're abundant in dark leafy greens. Um, I also talk about avocados uh, and extra virgin olive oil. Um, Incredibly, incredibly uh, important stuff. Actually, extra virgin olive oil, you know, now that we've sort of, thank God, gotten past the fat is bad mentality of the past couple of decades, um, the pendulum really has swung in the other direction where... Uh, people are embracing fat, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing. But I think that there's also a lot of um, misinformation out there regarding fats and the right kinds of fats to eat. And so I highlight extra virgin olive oil as really being the the, di- the culinary and dietary oil that has the strongest body of evidence to say that if we consume this fat liberally, our brains are going to work better, our cardiovascular system is going to be healthier, and we're probably going to lose weight while we're at it. So extra virgin olive oil is the chief oil that I'm using Uh, In my kitchen and on my food, I use it as a sauce, pretty much.
0: Yeah. Let's actually differentiate with these different fats. So you go through this in the book, which is so important. So let's cover some of the basics with the different categories of fats. We've got saturated fats. Yeah. What else?
1: So we've got saturated fats, which obviously, you know, full-fat dairy, uh, beef, pork, chicken, um, things like that. These are fats that are solid at at room temperature. Um, When you uh, feed a cow what it naturally wants to eat, which is grass, it's going to have less saturated fat in its fat, uh, you know, by proportion. So I don't think that we're meant to eat an excessive amount of saturated fat, even though saturated fat is not the dietary demon that it was once uh, thought to be. There's also no good evidence to say that chasing saturated fat has any uh, positive impact um, on our brain health. So, Um, So, you know, I make the recommendation that people should eat uh, saturated fat um, liberally when it's contained in whole foods. Isolated uh, saturated fats and oils and things like that, butter, coconut oil, uh, I don't make the recommendation for. I think that there's um, medicinal value to coconut oil and definitely MCTs, uh, which we could talk about. Um, MCTs are a fraction of coconut oil that provide a very clean burning fuel source to the brain um, in the form of ketones. So you could either be in a ketogenic on a ketogenic diet, which is how ketones are naturally produced endogenously or in the body. Um, but even without being in ketosis, you can uh, consume MCT oil or even coconut oil, and there is essentially a push of ketones into the brain because the brain will use ketones when they're when they're available. Um, the other kind of fat are uh, polyunsaturated fatty acids, which. Um, people are now completely over consuming because they're the predominant uh, type of fat found in grain and seed oils, which the, the Western diet has basically become drenched in. Um, and these fats really were meant to be consumed by humans in trace quantities. Uh, about 100 years ago, polyunsaturated fats made up essentially 0% of our caloric intake. Today, they make, about, make up about 10% um, because of the oils that we're consuming, canola oil, corn oil, soybean oil, And um, these fats, I think, are pretty damaging uh, because, well, for one, they are usually skewed very heavily in favor of omega-6 fats, which provide the biochemical precursors to our body's inflammation pathways. So when we overconsume omega-6 fats, it's basically kicking our bodies into a state of chronic uh, immune activation. And I talk about also in the book um, the value of getting uh, healthy fats and particularly omega-3s in terms of what I call membrane fluidity. So, you know, when we think about how Mm -hmm. our brains work, uh, every cognitive process relies on the healthy functioning of neurotransmitters, right? You have probably your audience, you know, probably heard of serotonin, dopamine, um, norepinephrine, acetylcholine. These are just a few of the, you know, couple dozen neurotransmitters that there are in the brain. But the way that neurotransmitters work is they basically need to be heard by the ears of the neuron. And the ears of a neuron are called receptors. And receptors don't just sit statically on the surface of the cell membrane. They need to have the ability to bob up to the surface where they can hear the messages uh, contained by neurotransmitters. And so that's where membrane fluidity comes in. When you're consuming more omega-3s, your uh, brain cell membranes have that property of being more fluid. Whereas when we overconsume omega-6 fats, our cell membranes act more rigidly. And so those receptors are less able to pop up to the surface to hear the messages that neurotransmitters contain. And that can potentially influence our, you know, our thoughts, our memories, our executive function, things like that.
0: Um, Yeah, man. So crazy. Yeah.
1: And so, you know, I advise for getting polyunsaturated fats, even omega-3s, in in whole foods, in properly raised uh, animal products, in fatty fish things like that. We're probably meant to consume them in trace quantities. Um, and also these are the only types of fats that really the brain uh, requires. That's why omega-3s and omega 6 are called essential fatty acids because they're essential. Butter, you know, is not a saturated fat from butter is not an essential fatty acid. Omega-3s and omega-6s are essential. So where the brain is concerned. You really wanna make sure that you're getting high quality omega-3s and you're not over consuming omega-6s. When you eat the foods uh, that I call genius foods in the book, that's being taken care of for you.
0: Got it, yeah. I wanna take a, a, a quick detour here. Yeah. So when it comes to the polyunsaturated, these are something that we, again, you mentioned it, we're like drenched in as a culture. Mm-hmm. And I was just immediately popped into my mind, like even if you go to a health food store, like you know Whole Foods and the hot bar, they're cooking with like canola oil still. It's just like the information hasn't totally, I guess, saturated our, our world today. And so I want people to be more vigilant, just understanding, again, trace amounts. If this happens, you know, every now and then, but take dominion over your home, make sure that you're bringing in the right oils to make your food with at home. And in particular, uh, a monounsaturated fat, which is what we see with olive oil. So this is why I want, it's one of these particular genius foods. So let's go ahead and talk about that now.
1: Yeah. And just to weigh in on the canola oil thing, like you're so right. It's um, I did an Instagram post recently where I showed the, it's something like a dozen steps required to create canola oil, uh, industrial processing steps out of its original seed, the rapeseed. Whereas when... Looking at how extra virgin olive oil is made, which humans have been consuming for thousands of years, you make it by crushing olives, you know, so I mean, canola oil is this incredibly processed industrialized uh, chemical, you know, I would not even call it a food, it's more a food like product. And um, it's very damaging. They've, they've isolated uh, and identified up to 5% trans fats in canola oil. Mm, that's crazy. Yeah, monounsaturated fats are the are the third type of fat. Um, and they are chemically stable. Um, they are uh, important for the brain. You know, it, it actually, um, oleic acid, which is a monounsaturated fat, is uh, the most abundant fatty acid found in extra virgin olive oil. And it's also what insulates our neurons. It makes up myelin, the myelin sheath um, in our heads. So, um, which is just fascinating and, and mind blowing to consider that, but mm-hmm. yeah. So, it monounsaturated fat really does seem to be the fatty acid that we uh, can consume liberally and see um, positive health outcomes. So, it seems to be the the oil that is um, the most effectively processed by the liver, which is very important. Um, it seems to play a number of, of uh, you know beneficial roles in terms of heart health, um, inflammation, and things like that. So. You know, when it comes to the the fatty acid um, or the the oil that I uh, really think is like this is not only the safest but also the healthiest to consume liberally, it would definitely be um, extra virgin olive oil, followed by um, avocado oil, which is uh, you know also very rich in these monounsaturated fats. But interestingly, the most valuable aspect of extra virgin olive oil actually has nothing to do with the fats that uh, it contains but the phenolic compounds that have been shown to be as anti-inflammatory um, as low-dose ibuprofen, mm-hmm. which is uh, really interesting.
0: Mm. Wow. Yeah. So you mentioned this compound that you get, a, it causes the spiciness. Like if you get a really good olive oil, uh, can you talk about that one?
1: Yeah. So that's that's oleocanthol. And that is, um, it's the compound found only in extra virgin olive oil, not in regular olive oil, but extra virgin olive oil. Uh, that actually leaves a very spicy feeling on the back of your throat. In fact, it might be so spicy that uh, it makes you cough. And in fact, that is how quality um, extra virgin olive oil is essentially rated. They talk about these oils in terms of the number of coughs that they produce. So you can find one (laughs) cough oil, two cough oils, and uh, three cough oils, which means that it's like really spicy. And that actually is a sign that there's more of this powerfully anti-inflammatory compound in it. So if you find three-cough oil, that's an oil that you're gonna to wanna to
0: use. Wow, so olive oil is sort of like weed then. You heard it here <laughs> first, yeah. Max said it, guys. I didn't say that. All right, and you mentioned in here uh, the oleocanthal uh, may play a role um, in particular with eliminating and helping the brain to clear itself of amyloid plaque. Yeah. Dude, just, let's talk about that a little bit. How, how does that play into Uh, neurodegenerative conditions.
1: Yeah, so amyloid plaque is something that um, aggregates uh, in all brains and um, it's thought to be one of the defining characteristics of Alzheimer's disease. Um, Now, you might not know this, it might be shocking, but Alzheimer's disease actually begins in the brain 30 to 40 years before the first symptom. And we all produce proteins in our brains and our bodies that are essentially uh, waste compounds and our bodies are generally very good at getting rid of waste. Um, But uh, you know, for, for some people, these proteins can aggregate and clump and form these plaques, which are called amyloid beta plaques. And amyloid was uh, for many decades considered to be um, a likely causative player in uh, the etiology, meaning the genesis of Alzheimer's disease um and that's you know sort of unclear it's sort of like uh you know what's sort of what's kind of happened with cholesterol over the past couple of decades it's looking more and more like amyloid is sort of a you know it's there at the scene of the crime when somebody dies of alzheimer's disease but it's 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 likely not the causative factor because pharmaceutical thanks to you know pharmaceutical failure after failure we know that um amyloid uh, you know, even when we're able to clear amyloid from the brain, that doesn't cure Alzheimer's disease. Nobody's ever been cured of Alzheimer's disease. So, um, so yeah, extra virgin olive oil really seems to um, stoke uh, some of the, the, the processes in the body that are able to clean the brain of this uh, plaque, really. Um, it's been shown that extra virgin olive oil encourages a process called autophagy. Um, And it's also been shown to help the brain better clear itself of these proteins that can aggregate and and clump up uh, and misfold and form these amyloid plaques. So that's just one of the proposed mechanisms by which it really seems that extra virgin olive oil is protective in terms of
0: brain health long-term. Fascinating, fascinating. Uh, I wanna dive a little bit deeper here in this conversation about fats. I think this is incredibly important. You know, I've, I've touched on this several different times in different episodes of the show but to really get more of a, like a masterclass understanding, you know, so we've covered the various types. Uh, I want to go a little bit deeper on these essentials. So, um, let's talk about them, uh, DHA, EPA, ALA. So let's talk a little bit about those and the difference between them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, DHA fat is one of the most important building blocks for the brain. Um, it basically, uh, gets embedded into our brain cell, uh, membranes, our neuronal membranes, where it helps to encourage, uh, what I mentioned earlier, you know, membrane fluidity, an ability of the brain cell to properly hear outside signals, which is really important. Um, and DHA is found naturally in the fat of fatty fish. So wild salmon, sardines, these are these are all uh, low mercury um, sources of preformed DHA fat. Um, you can also get them for, you know, vegans and vegetarians. Uh, it's found in algal oil. Um And uh, our bodies have a very limited capacity to synthesize it um, when we give them the appropriate precursors. Um, So one of those precursors is uh, ALA, which is um, the the plant-based form of omega-3 fatty acids. Um, Unfortunately, people are not very good at converting ALA to DHA. Um, Women are about twice as... uh, effective at it as men thought to be a means of facilitating more DHA to a future, uh, you know, to a fetus potentially. Um, but in general, you know, men can consume tablespoon after tablespoon of flaxseed oil, which is very high in ALA and really not convert much, if any of that to DHA and thereby not increasing the amount of DHA in the brain. um, Certain people are genetically uh, better at it, also. Um, so it's not just gender. People of European origin um, are uh, less effective at it than people of African ancestry, um, thought to be a you know a consequence of the fact that over time we started eating more fish and more um, you know land animals that had an abundant uh, form, you know, abundant uh, quantities of DHA in it. So, I make the recommendation that people really go out and eat omega 3 enriched eggs or um, grass fed beef, uh, wild salmon, sardines. These are all rich sources of DHA fat. We don't have a huge requirement for these fats. I mean, again, they're found in yeah. foods in relatively trace quantities, but you want to make sure that you're getting them. And you also want to make sure that you're not drowning them out with omega 6 fats, which we mentioned are, you know, we're, we're over consuming. EPA is usually found in tandem with DHA. It is uh, what I call a whole-body anti-inflammatory agent. Um, so EPA is really good in terms of uh, reducing inflammation. Um, and uh, this is key because inflammation really robs your brain of its of its optimal cognitive potential. Inflammation is a, a brain drain when it comes to BDNF or brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is a really important miracle-grow bro- protein that... Um, Protects your existing neurons, promotes the growth of new ones. Uh, so both of them work in tandem, really, to help promote uh, neuroplasticity and a brain that really works as well as it ought to. They've done studies in children where people that uh, are over-consuming omega sixes, um, you know, have worse attention and focus, and that by supplementing um, with omega threes, thereby sort of evening out that balance, their intention, their attention uh, improves which I think is really important and empowering. Um, And um, yeah, so I I make the recommendation that we make an effort every day to get preformed versions of of this EPA and DHA. Again, you know, plant-based forms of omega-3s, i.e. ALA, um, found in walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds, and things like that. I think that they're a nice... Addition to a diet that includes preformed versions of these fats, but they're not a replacement for them because, again, humans are very inefficient at uh, converting them to their usable
0: forms in the body. Yeah, man. Thank you for sharing that. And I wanted to talk about this specifically because, you know, being in this field for a decade and a half plus for me, uh, maybe 12 years ago, like hemp seed oil was hot on the streets, flaxseed oil, you know, you're getting it from the refrigerated section. To protect the oil, make sure that it's not oxidized and all this good stuff, thinking you're getting the omega-3s that your body actually needs to do all this cool stuff we're looking for. But the conversion process is, is significantly lacking. You know, so I just want people to be mindful of that. I'm not saying to, you know, just throw all the flaxseed oils away. It could have some benefit, but we don't really know. What we do know is that the conversion to the omega-3s that you really need for keeping your brain healthy is not very valuable what's found in there. I would suggest more so doing the whole flax seeds, ground them up or the whole hemp seeds. But the oils themselves, we don't really know if they if they uh, deliver the value we're looking for. We do know, however, that olive oil does. And he just stacks on stacks on stacks research in the book about olive oil and it just like pumped me up to, to, to the degree like I went ham on the olive oil after reading that section that night. So uh, with that said, uh, just to kind of segue, let's talk about what to look for with the olive oil, because we don't just want to go to the store and grab the random olive oil in the clear plastic jug, right? So tell us what we should be looking for.
1: Yeah, so you want to make sure that you're buying it in either uh, metal or glass, ideally darker colored. Um, You know, extra virgin olive oil is very resistant to um, oxidation and rancidity, but nonetheless, um, I think that it's it's probably wise to get it in... uh, you know a bottle that um minimizes the chances that any of the the fat contained therein is going to be um oxidized. So I recommend people buying it in smaller bottles um because oxygen is obviously one of the chief catalysts for oxidation. Um so you know the the longer we can keep a bottle um you know sealed uh and free of oxygen, I think the better. So, you know, I'm usually buying it in smaller bottles, glass or metal darkly colored uh when it comes to quality olive oil you know a lot of people are freaked out over the um the counterfeit uh allegations so what i understand of that of that controversy is that it usually seems to be the case with oils exported out of italy so i really go for uh greek olive oils i mean i I tend to look for those and i also um like to buy organic because you know these phenolic compounds and we talked about one of them oleocanthal really are produced um buy plants as a means to fend off, uh, f- predators. And these predators for plants include everything from mold to insects to, um, smaller animals. So I, uh, you know, when, when we buy organic produce, they tend to have more of these phenolic compounds in them because they're natural plant defense mechanisms. Um, and the minute we handicap a plant by dousing it with herbicides and pesticides and, and, um, Antifungals and things like that. We're basically handicapping uh, their ability to, or we're basically taking out the necessity for them to create these compounds. Um, plants need a little bit of stress to uh, create these compounds, just like we need a little bit of stress in the form of exercise, in, yeah. the, f- in the form of, you know, thermal stress, cryotherapy, cold showers, saunas, things like that. Um, and so, I recommend getting uh, olive oil organic yeah, as well. Definitely. And again, you can taste, you can test the quality of your olive oil by tasting it and by letting it hit the back of your throat. If it creates that spicy sensation, you know that you're getting a, a quality extra virgin olive oil. Um, other oils, light, you know, olive oil, uh, and certainly the grain and seed oils don't have that same sensation, don't give you that same sensation at the back of your throat.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Great tips, man. So um, also I want to kind of pivot here a little bit when we're looking at these oils, spe- specifically we, we covered various types of fats. We, we covered the various types of essential fatty acids. And with omega-3s, one of the first things that jumps to mind for most people, if we're talking about getting the right amount, and I'm so grateful that you made clear, like we can pretty easily get this from food, like whole food sources, if we're adamant about doing that each day, you know? But you mentioned fish oil supplement here. It says, according to a trial out of Berlin's, uh, is it uh, Chaitree Hospital? In this study- Charity, yeah. Charity, all right. I'm like- Charity. Crud, crudité. <laughs> uh, in this study, adults were given daily omega-3 supplements uh, containing 1,320 milligrams of EPA and 880 milligrams of DHA. Now, listen to this, guys. After 26 weeks, the researchers found that subjects taking the omega-3 supplements displayed executive function enhanced by 26% over the placebo group. Who actually saw a slight decline? All right. So, do you recommend fish oil supplementation? Should this be for everybody? For some people? For some time? Talk about it. Yeah.
1: So that's a good question. I, you know, generally like to get my nutrients from food, but our food has changed a lot over the past hundred years, and uh, certainly we don't, you know, we're not always able to control our food environment. So that being said, a high-quality fish oil is one of the few supplements that I recommend. Um, and you know, you can buy cheaper supplements when it comes to vitamin D, things like that. But with fish oil, it's an area that you really don't want to skimp because we talked a little bit about how, uh, delicate polyunsaturated fats are. Well, omega threes and omega sixes are both polyunsaturated fats and, uh, they're very easily, uh, they go rancid very easily. And omega threes are even more vulnerable than omega sixes. So when it comes to getting high quality fish oil, yeah, quality is key. Um, And I actually recommend, uh, well, I definitely recommend refrigerating them as well as chewing the capsules. This is not gonna be for everybody necessarily, but I actually like to taste the fish oil that I'm consuming because the same way that when you're eating fresh fish, there's there's no overt fishy flavor. And if you do, if it does taste fishy, you know that it's not the freshest fish. The same thing can be said for high-quality fish oil. There's not going to be an overt uh, fishy flavor if you're getting the freshest fish oil. So, I mean, if you've got fish oil in your house, taste it. If it tastes really fishy, spit it out. Make sure that the fish oil that you're getting, um, you know, doesn't doesn't taste overtly fishy. And then, yeah, I, I recommend supplementing with it. Um, again, I think that they're, you know, you don't have to go crazy, but... Uh, I usually will take about a gram to uh, 1,500 milligrams of EPA, maybe 500 milligrams to a gram of DHA uh, every day. And I skip that on days that I'm really being diligent about my diet and that I'm eating fatty fish. So, I mean, I happen to be a fan of sardines, which are really, you know, one of the top sources of these fats. If I eat a can of sardines, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go crazy with the fish oil.
0: Yeah, got it. And so uh would you recommend then the going people going for the capsules versus the you know the bottle that they keep refrigerated
1: yeah that's a good question i um yeah i don't i mean i don't distinguish between the two i think you know as long as you uh buy it um you know and it's uh with the with the liquids i've seen them always refrigerated yeah um so you know i would just make sure that you're buying it from a reputable manufacturer Um, I'm I'm very, yeah, very diligent about that.
0: Perfect, perfect. All right, such great stuff, guys. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. Don't sleep on sleep. Today there is a big revolution happening to improve our sleep quality because we're understanding finally just how much our sleep quality impacts our physical performance, our brain function, and literally impacts our body composition. Sleep deprivation is something that can directly lead to increased fat gain and an inability to lose weight as well. With great sleep, we see an increased ability to burn fat. Like the research that was done by the International Association for the Study of Obesity that found that our sleep quality, namely a sleep-related hormone called melatonin that everybody's heard of, increases your body's production of something called brown adipose tissue. This is a type of fat that actually burns fat. And the reason that it's brown versus the white adipose tissue is brown adipose tissue has a lot more mitochondria. And these are the energy power plants in our cells, very metabolically active tissue that we build more of when we get great sleep. Now. The issue today is getting that great sleep and there's tons of lifestyle factors but there's also a nutrition component and there's a study that was published in the journal pharmacology biochemistry and behavior that found that the renowned medicinal mushroom reishi was able to number one significantly decrease sleep latency this means you fall asleep faster when you have reishi they also found that this increased overall sleep time for study participants and they found that th- this increased the sleep efficiency by improving the non-REM deep sleep and improving our light REM sleep as well this comprehensive approach to improving sleep it's not pounding our sleep into submission what we see with conventional drugs and things of that nature, where it's kind of like pseudo-sleep. This is actually improving your sleep quality, your sleep efficiency by utilizing Reishi. Now, the only Reishi that I use is from Four Sigmatic because it's dual extracted, where they're doing an alcohol extract and a hot water extract, so they're actually extracting all of the nutrients from the mushroom that you think you're getting with company X. All right, you're actually getting those compounds. With the hot water extractor, getting the beta glucan related compounds, and then with the alcohol extractor, getting more of the hormonal compounds. And I think these are really important for sleep, like the terpenes and things in that category, and so much more. So make sure to use foursigmatic.com forward slash model to get your hands on this and so much more. So that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash model. You get 15% off their reishi elixir and all of their medicinal mushroom elixirs, coffees, hot cocos, and so much more. I love Four Sigmatic, I literally have them every single day, one of their different products. Today I had my Lion's Mane coffee mix, so, so good. And it has all of these benefits as well. If you're still drinking standard coffee, what are you doing? You need to get these benefits from the Four Sigmatic coffee mixes. Now, head over and check them out ASAP because these are absolutely game-changing. The coffee mix, great for in the morning. Rishi great for in the evening and winding down. And they've got all of this research to back it up. And this is what it's all about, is having more education so that we're executing on the things that really do work, that have a clinically proven benefit, and we can actually enjoy ourselves and have a good time along the way. And again, that's model for 15% off everything. And now back to the show. All right, we're back. Let's pick up where we left off. You mentioned this earlier, but I want to talk a little bit more about it. It's one of my favorite foods. And actually, I just did uh, a little while back uh, a talk for some high school students. And we're looking at helping them to transition to the next level, you know, going to college, but also, you know, looking at what they can do right now. And over the years, like, I stopped speaking to, to kids in high school, middle school, elementary, which I used to do quite a bit. And it's because like, I wanted to really get more of a global perspective and be able to help them serve them where they are right now, because it's difficult for a kid to get this flip of a switch turned on in their mind. And then they go home and they have to eat Roman noodles because that's just what they have. And so now, um, now we're creating more of a, like a blanketed approach in the way that we are even targeting certain schools and speaking to certain uh, populations of people where we can even maybe get the, the, st- the, the teachers involved, get the. Uh, the faculty involved, get their parents involved so we can have more of a holistic change, right? And so with that said, spoke to these kids, one of the big takeaways that I want them to have, and they were very, like, it, it literally changed them. Like, they were just on fire to eat more fat, you know, after this talk. And so that's one of the big takeaways was to make sure you're getting more high-quality fats in your diet. And I gave them all the different reasons why and also gave them some examples. And I asked, specifically, we were talking about saturated fat, and we were talking about, um, you know, monounsaturated fats and all that good stuff. I asked who likes avocados, right? No, no. I asked who doesn't like avocados. And so it was probably about 30% of the class, maybe 40%, which I was surprised it was that low because I know for me, there's no way in the world I would eat avocado when I was in high school. And so I share with them, like, listen, guys, the first time I, have, I have, had an avocado, I was 25. All right, I thought avocado and guacamole were the same thing and they both looked disgusting. And my first experience with avocado, true story, guys, was on a pizza. All right. It was on some little pita pizza. Avocado was on. I was like, OK, I can do this. And then it kind of transitioned into a love affair from that. So I want to share that, that for folks out there that are just like, I don't know with the avocado, the guacamole. I know we got a lot of avocado fans out here. But it's, it's a serious genius food. It's one of those foods that has so much nutritional benefit, which Max is going to share with us. But trust me, I've been on both sides of the fence of whether or not I'm, I'm even doing the avocado. Now it's on Subway. Like you see it driving down the highway on Subway sandwiches. McDonald's got the avocado special now all right? They're trying to use this great food as an example of something, you know, you're getting some healthy things. So let's talk about why is this a genius food?
1: Yeah. I mean, avocados are an all-in-one genius food. They're a potent source of the carotenoids that we were talking about before, which can boost the processing speed of your brain. Um, Those uh, compounds, as I mentioned, require fat to be absorbed. So conveniently, avocados are a rich source of uh, very healthy fats, predominantly monounsaturated, which, you know, we talked about as being the The fact that really there's a a strong evidence base to say that, you know, we can consume this fat liberally and it seems to really benefit uh, the health of our brains, our livers, you name it. Um, Avocados contain twice the potassium of a banana with a fraction of the glycemic load. Potassium is really important. Um, Our, you know, researchers now think that our hunter-gatherer ancestors consumed about four times the potassium that we consume uh, today. And potassium is really important in terms of uh, nerve conduction, a healthy cardiovascular system. Um, so you know, potassium is is critically important, um, and it's also a wonderful source of dietary fiber, which feeds the microbes that live in our large intestines. So um, I'm all about that avocado. I try to eat a half to a whole uh, fruit every single day, um, and yeah, they're wonderful. I think you know, as a kid, I too probably would have been a little bit freaked out by them. They could be a little bit slimy, but uh, now that I know, I'm, I'm I
0: travel with avocados. To be totally honest, uh, that's see, man, we're we're like we're brothers in in Cotto, <laughs> man, because I do the same thing. Like I literally yes. throw uh, avocados into my uh, carry-on, you know. So, man, that's awesome. <laughs> so, with that said, so you said it's more like this kind of uh, complete food, or, or you know the tr- kind of true definition of a superfood in many ways. And one of the things that I share with the students, man, was um. The doctrine of signatures you know and so this is a kind of this strange field of of nature science looking at basically what that means is the signature of nature and how every food according to the doctrine of signatures will tell you what it's good for in your body based on the way it looks smells tastes or how the 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 the, the plant functions right so for example walnuts we know clearly now they look like a brain we know that they are quite possibly a potentially good brain food. You know, we've got some omega-3s in there. We've got some plant uh, sterols that can potentially help with that amyloid plaque situation, right? And again, it looks like a brain. Uh, with avocados, here's the thing. avocado is one of the like indigenous names. I think this is Peru, which means testicle fruit, all right? They grow Ooh. they grow on trees in twos, all right? So it looks like a couple, uh, you know, hanging down there but <laughs> they're all, they're great for the kind of like, you know, fats are essential for helping to build your sex hormones, you know? And so just like keeping all this stuff in context and just understand like the avocado has been around for, you know, just since the beginning in a way, you know, for centuries upon centuries, that's a much better choice of getting your dietary fat than some kind of chemical laden processed crazy stuff that we see on a store shelf in the form of quote vegetable oil, which by the way, it's not kale oil. It's not broccoli. All right. It's like corn, soy, all this stuff. It's not actually a vegetable oil. So just keep that in mind. Avocado. He just said half to a whole a day is a good spot. You know, you can have this with like, you go ahead and share Like, what are some ways that we can add avocados in?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'll throw avocados into a bowl with a can of sardines. I, it's actually a recipe that I talk about uh, in the book. You can get some. Uh, There's like a really delicious chipotle lime avocado oil-based mayo, very tasty. You can throw that in the bowl with the avocado, with the sardines. It becomes really delicious. Um, I sometimes will just eat it straight out of the skin, sprinkle a little bit of mineral salt on it, scoop it out. So good. Um, Actually, that's the way that I eat it uh, most frequently. I just eat it straight out of the shell with some salt on it. blend it up into a into a smoothie you know have a really nice creamy consistency to, yeah. to your to your smoothies um, yeah you know I think it's it's so important but just in terms of the way that like I think about fat you know it's not that I, I never really think about like I've got to get more fat into my diet I'm mostly vigilant about not getting the wrong fats into my diet mm. I think that becomes a really important uh, distinction and especially today with the you know the prevalence of uh, ketogenic diets and things like that which I think are um, you know, beneficial. And certainly the in the Genius Plan, I talk about my variant on a ketogenic diet. Um, I think people really are obsessed now almost with chasing fat. Um, but, you know, one thing that I think is really important to be mindful of, and I, I, I talk to my followers about this, is that um, ketone production in the body is not a function of adding more fat. You can eat zero fat and be in deep ketosis, you know, by way of fasting or starvation, which, uh, you know, isn't fun, but ketone production isn't a function of, uh, adding more fat to the diet. It's really a function of, uh, reducing insulin by not eating, you know, many carbohydrates. So when I'm, you know, thinking about like the fat that I'm eating, it's really making sure that I get, you know, whatever omega threes that I need over the course of the day and really not eating, uh, you know, the unhealthy oils that today in the modern food environment is sort of like, you know, walking across a Vietnamese, uh, field, you know, like in the, in the sixties, like you don't, um, restaurants now are like cooking with, um, with these really unhealthy oils and, uh, they're pretty much everywhere. Anytime you eat at a restaurant, it's, uh, it's
0: potential danger zone. You're
1: taking a risk. Yeah, Yeah, man.
0: Let's just call it what it is. Garbage fats. All right. We'll call it garbage fats. Yeah. All right. So you know what? Um, I, I, I love this statement. And maybe I, I don't know if I came up with this. I think I did. I don't know, but um, avocados make everything better. All right. So we're just going to put that out there. Whatever it is, makes it better. Omelets, better. Uh, Burgers, better. Uh, If we got, we can make a great chocolate mousse, right? Blend it up with some high quality chocolate. Man, listen, avocados are are one of my favorite foods. So that's another genius food. Fortunately, Uh, there's so many good things that are also good for us. Let's talk a little bit about another one of these genius foods. And again, there's a whole list of like the top ones backed by research in the book. But I want to talk about blueberries. I don't, I don't think blueberries get enough love. Why is are blueberries included as a genius food?
1: Man, blueberries are amazing. First of all, they're a low sugar fruit. Um, so I mean, they satiate your sweet tooth. They've got that nice tart quality to them without being loaded with uh, sugar like modern cultivated um, tropical fruit. You know, you take pineapple or a banana, for instance, I mean, these foods are so, these fruits are so different um, than they were now, you know, as compared to 100 years ago. Meanwhile, blueberries, um, you know, they're rich in an array of what are called anthocyanins. These are the blue pigments that are also found in red onions, uh, purple potatoes, things like that. Um, And these anthocyanins are powerful antioxidants. They've been shown to accumulate in the brain's memory center, where they help shield it against Uh, aging. In fact, people who consume more blueberries have brains that look about two and a half years younger, um, on, on brain scans. So this is about, you know, in this study, I think it was, uh, the nurse's health study. They were consuming at least uh, a serving a week of blueberries, um, brains that look two and a half years younger on scans. They've shown in animal models as well as in human trials that, uh, they can actually improve, you know, memory function. So I'm always pounding blueberries if I've got to really be at the top of my game, um, they also, you know, anthocyanins also might potentially play a role in uh, cancer prevention as well. Mm. This was shown with uh, purple potatoes um, and colon cancer. Um, So it's hard to tease out, you know, what aspect of the purple potatoes Mm -hmm. really um, were were playing a role. But I mean, yeah, blueberries
0: are are really powerful brain food. Um, You know, that purple color, actually, you know, you know, uh, Max, I don't know if you've if you've thought about this before, but just back in the day, it just kind of came into mind, like, what, what's up with these colors? Like, what do they actually, what do they signify, you know? And I, I think that it's a big parallel with the colors of different plants with the antioxidants that are found in them in a, in a strange way. Like, antioxidants are colors. And in, in, in just kind of one of the assessments that I came with. And that's because if you look yeah. at the spectrum as we move over into the, the purples and the really dark purples and the browns even, like with chocolate, you start to see the strongest and, you know, red before that, the strongest sources of antioxidants. It's like, isn't that funny? Isn't that really interesting? And looking for those particular foods in that category, how many purple, dark purple red and brown foods are you getting in your diet, you know, and just even using that as a guidance for us to start making some decisions.
1: You're so right. Yeah. I mean, the carotenoids that we were talking about earlier, those are the yellow and orange uh, pigments that are found, you know, in bell peppers and things like that. Um, These anthocyanins are blue and purple. You can look at chlorophyll, which is green. Chlorophyll is, you know, incredibly important. It's a wonderful source of uh, magnesium. Magnesium, actually chlorophyll and uh, heme, Um, hemoglobin actually look very similar with the difference that in our blood uh, there's iron, whereas uh, in the same um, compound in plants, it's magnesium. So chlorophyll uh, is, you know, a really wonderful thing to consume. We get it when we're consuming green green vegetables, dark leafy greens. And that's also why they happen to be such a a great source of magnesium, which we know that 50% of the population is not consuming adequate amounts of. So... You're absolutely right, yeah. I mean, you really ultimately wanna eat the rainbow.
0: Yeah, um, definitely,
1: yeah. And uh, it's as simple as that.
0: <laughs> well, who, who said taste the rainbow? Is that Skittles? Is that Skittles, it might right? Have been, yeah. yeah. So listen, guys, don't just taste the rainbow, eat it. All right? <laughs> Not the Skittles, but we're, we're with real food. You heard it here first. So, and by the way, with the doctrine of signatures, if we're looking at blueberries, they look like little eyeballs, you know? And there are these all these wonderful compounds in there that are great for your eyes. As Max has been talking about, so uh, there's one other food I want to cover. There's again, there's so many I want to ask you about, and uh, again, you go so much more in depth in the book. But I want to talk about eggs. You know, this is one that has gone in and out of favor over the years for not very good reason. You know, if you look at the research, it's just kind of startling how much value uh, the right kind of eggs can potentially have for people. So. Why did you include this one as a genius food?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's ridiculous that over the past couple of decades, I mean, we were told that eggs were unhealthy. Meanwhile, nature doesn't make unhealthy fats, humans do. Mm. That's like one of the key takeaways that I want people to get from uh, reading my book. Eggs are such an important uh, genius food. And, you know, logically it makes a lot of sense because when you consider the fact that when an embryo is developing, the first structure to really develop is the nervous system, which includes the brain. So, you know, therefore, an egg yolk is literally designed by nature to contain all of the um, best ingredients required to nurture a healthy developing uh, brain. So there's, you know, that's the reason why I think many people now consider egg yolks to be nature's multivitamin. And research shows that. People that uh, consume high amounts of eggs, um, not only does it not increase their risk of cardiovascular disease, that's been completely debunked at this point, that for the vast majority of people, dietary cholesterol uh, has no impact on serum cholesterol. There's always an exception in biology. I mean, there are people that are hyperabsorbers and things like that. So, you know, I never use the term all. I'm very careful not to say uh, that these are one size fits all. Mm Um, guidelines everybody everybody's different we all have different fitness levels different genes things like that but uh, nonetheless you know an egg yolk does actually contain every nutrient required by the brain I mean it's one of the best uh, and most efficient ways of getting choline which is an, a conditionally essential nutrient uh, that we know that we need for to create healthy brain cells um, it's the precursor to the neurotransmitter acetylcholine. Uh, which is really important for learning and memory. It's a top source of vitamin B12. You also get in pastured eggs those same carotenoids, lutein and zeaxanthin. It's one of the reasons why. i um, just going back to pigments. You know, a pastured egg yolk looks much more orange than a conventionally raised chicken um, chicken's egg yolk. Um, obviously, a wonderful source of protein and DHA fat. You know, those preformed DHA. Uh, Fatty acids, the building blocks that your brain uses to create healthy new brain cells, um, critically important. So I'm eating you know,
0: two to three eggs every single day. Mm. Wow, that's, that's really remarkable, man. There's so much there, so much value that it just kind of got thrown away, li- like literally thrown away as people are buying egg whites, right? Egg li- and I did this, man. I bought like these egg whites <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the little carton, right? Making my omelets, like I'm, I'm being super healthy Missing out on the most valuable part, uh, but I want to make a a really clear statement for people about. He mentioned how the 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 greatest nutrients really are found in the in the egg yolk, and by the way, the the white of the egg is one of the most digestible proteins, ever. Right, this is like uh, we've got albumin, right, super digestible and usable by the human body, but the yolk is where we get the real gold, you know, get that gold. All right, so uh, but mm-hmm. th- but it is potentially. Can, you know, you can lose some of this stuff in the cooking process, right? So what is the best way for us to actually get what we're looking for? I mean, of course you could scramble up some eggs, all good, but what do we ideally want to do so we can maintain the integrity of the fat that we're trying to get?
1: Yeah. So the one thing that you definitely don't want to do is eat raw egg whites, um, because that can create a biotin deficiency actually. It binds to biotin in the gut. Um, and biotin is really important for healthy hair, nails, skin, um, other things. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you want to you wanna cook your eggs, I'm not a big fan of hard-boiling them because, you know, the, the egg yolks do contain lots of delicate fats. And, you know, look, there's a ton of antioxidants, actually, in egg yolks, which can help protect those fats. Right. But um, if you like hard-boiled eggs, you know, I would say go for it. But I'm trying generally to keep those eggs, those uh, yolks, a little bit more custard-like just so that I don't scorch them. Uh, the fats and cholesterol itself are uh, vulnerable to oxidation. Um And so when it comes to fats, you really want to be getting in, you know, uh, healthy, unadulterated fats. And um, so, you know, I'm doing like soft scrambles, uh, soft to medium, you know, boiled eggs, if that's your thing. Um, Again, eating a hard boiled egg is not gonna, if that's what you like, it's not gonna kill you. Um, But yeah, just be mindful of the fact that um, some of the most valuable fats to the human brain are also uh, among the most vulnerable. And what damages a fat are heat, oxygen, and light. And so you just want to be really careful when treating these fats um, and processing them. Because at the end of the day, I mean, cooking is a form of processing. We're able to process our own food. Manufacturers aren't the only people that are able to process foods. We do this, you know, at, at home when we're cooking them. And any form of food processing is going to some degree uh, degrade at least some of the compounds in that, in that food. Um, on the other hand, it makes more uh certain other nutrients more bioavailable. So um so I think at the end of the day, cooking is a is a wonderful thing. Um but yeah just be cautious not to I guess overcook um your eggs would be my advice. Got it
0: perfect. And also we got sunny side up, over easy poached um yeah. you know and so so many different ways that you can go for your eggs. But don't do the egg white omelet. All right. Oh. that's in the healthy section. Even when we go to a restaurant right now like this they got the healthy little thing here. This is like you get your egg white omelet and your uh, steel cut oats, and your and your uh, organic orange juice. Congratulations, you have pre-diabetes. You know, just be careful with this stuff, guys. All right. So, uh, one other thing I want to ask you about, and I- I'm so happy you included this in the book because this is something that people ask about all the time in regards to building muscle, and that's creatine. All right. But there's also a big role that it plays for our brain. So let's talk about. Creatine, man. Like, how, why, would, why did you talk about this in the book?
1: I'm so glad you bring that up. Um, see, creatine is found naturally in fish, in red meat, and things like that. And most uh, people that are in the fitness world are familiar with the uh, well-demonstrated uh, ability of creatine to boost athletic performance with relatively minimal uh, side effects, if any. It's It's got a robust uh, research base behind it. Uh, and it's actually one of the first supplements that I discovered, which really piqued my interest in fitness and nutrition. But more mm-hmm. than being just an athletic uh, and performance-boosting supplement, creatine um, is actually essential for uh, healthy brain function. In fact, um, creatine is found naturally in our bodies. We, we synthesize it, and we also consume it, as I mentioned, in red meat. Um, there's a, a mental condition associated with an inability of creatine to pass the blood-brain barrier. And in research performed on vegans and vegetarians um, and omnivores, vegans and vegetarians, when given supplemental creatine, their cognitive performance improved. So what this shows me is that getting creatine in our food uh, is incredibly important for optimal brain function. And it's one of the reasons why I make the recommendation that people should be eating grass-fed beef as a brain food. Um you know just to talk a little bit about uh, plant-based diets when people make the switch to a plant-based diet they um, tend to supplement with the one nutrient that they know that they're not getting in plant foods and that is vitamin b12 because that's a that's an essential nutrient that we need Um, you're going to develop a deficiency disease if you don't consume vitamin b12 and usually that's that as far as uh you know picking up the slack for a a vegetarian diet um, is concerned But actually, there's a whole range of nutrients that I talk about um, in the book called conditionally essential nutrients. And these are nutrients, some of which we've identified, many of which I'm sure we haven't, um, that you might not develop a deficiency disease by not eating them, um, i.e., you know, like if you don't eat vitamin C, you're going to develop scurvy. If you don't eat, if you don't get vitamin D, you're going to develop rickets. You might not develop an overt condition by avoiding these nutrients, but you're probably going to feel better and perform better when you have them in your diet. So that's why I'm extremely uh, skeptical of anybody who cuts out an entire food group like um, meat or fish, for example, from their diets, um, especially when those food groups have likely been around um, during the time in which our brains evolved. Um, And so creatine, yeah, I think is one of those really important nutrients. It basically acts in the brain um, as an energy recycler. So your brain's requirement for energy is very constant. Um, It uses 25% of your base metabolic rate is going to create energy in your brain and creatine, um, basically works to recycle ATP, um, which is really important. Mm. It also does that in muscle as well.
0: Yeah. That's why it's so valuable. You know, we don't, we we don't think about the behind the scenes, like what is it actually doing? It's helping to recycle (sighs) ATP, you know, which is just fascinating that it's there to do that job. You know, this is like the energy currency of the body that we talked about a couple of times already, but being able to renew that, like, it's just like, renewing money, like you spend that dollar, the dollar comes right back, like it's on a string or something, you know, in a, in a way, in a way, it's not exactly like that, but it's gonna keep your body um, in a place where it can keep on performing and moving forward and growing because even the, the process of exercise, right, you're breaking your body down, you wanna, it's part of the recovery process, it's helping your body to regenerate and come back better. You know, so wow, that's crazy. And so yeah, you, you mentioned this in the book, uh, the higher levels of brain uh, creatine were correlated with better memory performance You've got several studies in here showing this, and also the study, like you mentioned, folks who are are vegetarian and vegans, um, not having a specific uh, whole food source of this, being uh, given a supplement, supplementing with the creatine, they saw a significant improvement in their cognitive function. So this was twenty grams per day for just five days. You know, so keep that in mind. Yeah, that's you know, vegans and vegetarians,
1: omnivores didn't see the same increase, which suggests that just by eating meat, a little bit of meat um, in your diet, your basically brain is going to hit that saturation point where it's getting what it requires. Just to talk a little bit about brain energy metabolism a bit, you know, when, a, when the brain is creating energy out of glucose, um, that occurs at a cost. I mean, the same way that when a car burns gasoline, it creates exhaust, that occurs in the brain as well. Um, and exhaust in the brain is referred to as reactive oxygen species, right? Um, So creatine, what's so uh, incredible about it is that it basically recycles ATP, basically minimizing the, um, you know, the necessity of uh, glucose, essentially, because, you know, when cognitive demands increase, we actually start burning through creatine. Creatine is there to basically recycle ATP. After ATP is burned, um, creatine donates a phosphate molecule, um, basically sacrificing itself to help your brain meet its energy demands. So it's an incredibly important nutrient and, um, you know, whether through supplementing with it or, uh, simply just getting it in the form of whole food. Um, I think that it's, uh, you know, really important as you know, as far as the brain is concerned.
0: Awesome. Max, this has been incredibly enlightening and just the way that you packaged up this information in the book is just like, literally is phenomenal, man. You did an incredible job. And so, um, if you could final question, What is the model that you're here to set with the way that you live your life personally? Oh
1: man. You know, I think uh, I'm just trying to leave the world a little bit better uh, than it was when I came into it, Um, you know? And uh, I think we live in an incredible time where um, thanks to the tools of technology, the internet, um, it's given rise to a whole new generation of healers and uh, people like yourself, Sean, Um, you know, that are really using their platform and their skills and their talents and abilities to uh, inspire a greater vision of life in humanity. I think that's really what what it is that I'm trying to do and what I think we all each are able to do in our own lives, whether it's, you know, that moment you're chatting around the water cooler with your coworkers and you can tell them about that cool study that you read that might help them live their life in a somewhat healthier way Um, or launching your own podcast or just being a little bit more diligent about how you use social media You know, I think uh, we live in an incredible time where we're able to reach people in a way that is simply unprecedented. And so um, that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to really, uh, you know, with my work, I see dementia every single day. You know, my mom has dementia. It's something that is, you know, there in my life. It's it's heartbreaking. And I want to do what I can to prevent, you know, if I could prevent one person from becoming a victim the way that my mom has... Um, then I'll feel that I've, uh, done my job and, you know, thankfully the same things that we can do that are going to help shield our brains and and stack the odds in our own favor for once, um, you know, also make our brains work better in the here and now. I think it's amazing that, you know, you can invest in your future selves and you can also improve your quality of life today at the same time. I mean, there's no other investment that, uh, is going to pay those kinds of dividends. So I'm just trying to spread that message and do my part and, um, I feel so grateful that I've been embraced by the community and um, and yeah, that's my, I mean, that's how I'm trying to live my life.
0: Love it, man. Thank you so much. Can you let everybody know where they can connect with you online and where they can find your incredible book?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, so find me on Instagram at Max Lugavere. Uh, my book, Genius Foods, is available wherever books are sold. You can go to GeniusFoodsBook.com to get a, a free sample of it, but really, you know, Go out, order the book. As Sean said, which I love, I'm going to quote you. You can basically dip the thing in highlighter ink. Yeah, just connect with me. I'm I'm out there and I'm available, and I would love uh, to uh, to say hi. So
0: awesome, Max, you're the man. I appreciate you so much for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Awesome, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Uh, listen, these books are incredibly timely. You know, a book like Genius Foods, we need to we need to the cut off the 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 bleeding, we need to stop the bleeding, all right? And we're in a position right now, and this is why I was so adamant in my shift about getting out and speaking to students again, because your brain health starts now, all right? If you're in your 20s, if you're in your teens, if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, of course, folks that are listening right now that you know, you quote, in the senior years, it's not too late to have improvement, but I just want to make sure that the, the younger folks take this seriously, because you don't wanna end up being in that situation where you're not able to take care of yourself. You know, we don't want to just live longer. We won't be able to actually enjoy life longer, if that makes sense. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a stark difference when you're able to uh, continue to live and actually be able to do the things that fill you up and give you joy and to remember the people that you love. Right. And this is something that Max, like it it hit my heart really when I was reading the book, like that's just devastating, you know, and I, I know that experience as well. And, um, I'm passionate about the same thing as him is helping to prevent as many situations like that from happening as possible. But also we have an opportunity to change some of that. You know, he's the first person to come on and say, look, this situation is, 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 is on the, on the board. It's incurable, but we can see some improvements. All right. We can see some improvements. If we kind of stack some conditions, do some things right, we could see some improvements. So I want you to have that ammunition as well. And so make sure to check out genius foods and, you know, stick with me. Like I mentioned earlier before uh, about getting out and and speaking more to younger, younger audiences and something I used to do back in the day, like I shared this uh, before that, you know, I'd go to a middle school of, quote, juvenile delinquent girls, like a middle school and there's like metal detectors, you know, walking into the school and just like seeing the, the conditions that a lot of kids are in. And they don't get an example of, somebody who's living life and and doing something that's positive. And so what I wanna encourage you to do is to be that person for somebody else, all right? At least even today, like try and make somebody else's day better, but more importantly, give somebody an example of what's possible, all right? Or even set that as your modus operandi, because if you can't see it, you can't be it, all right? If you can't see it, you can't be it. Give our kids some examples, all right? Reach out, get involved in our community, because I can't do this by myself and neither can you. But if we're all working together and being the model ourselves and just sharing our experience, because you don't have to have it all figured out. That's another thing that would hold us back. Like, uh, I'm not there yet. I promise you, if you're even one step beyond somebody, your insight, your experience can help to lift them up. All right. So um, this is something I'm doing more. And also, of course, like we're doing the same uh, stuff that we're doing, getting out and talking to the community as well. So make sure to stay tuned for the events that we have coming up. Uh, at a at a city near you. All right, stay connected on Instagram is probably the best place. I'm at Sean Model to stay super up to date. And of course, I'll do my best to mention stuff on the show as well. So, uh, guys, I appreciate you immensely. We've got some incredible shows coming up. I'm telling you, get some get some tape for your like tape your socks on. All right, wrap a, a tur- tunicate around your socks because we're gonna blow them off. All right, I need you to be ready. All right, get those socks strapped on. All right, I appreciate you so much. So much good stuff in store. So make sure to stay tuned. Take care. Have an amazing day. I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.